The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Good morning. Well, it is Labor Day weekend, and uh, this is your last day to wear white pants, I guess, is something that's out there. So I don't know why, but that's apparently a thing or used to be a thing or I don't even know anymore. But uh, hey, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm, I'm here today. I've been gone a bunch in August, and uh, it's one of those weird months where there was uh, some different things going on that we needed to take care of. And the last one was taking our daughter down to school in California again. And it's always sad. You know, you drive away and you're like, well, there goes that. You know, see her in a few months. Um, and so, uh, but we had a great time. We also celebrate our anniversary down there. Uh, Heather and I, we've been married this last weekend, 23 years. And so, um, yeah, now, for those of you that knew us way back when and went, they'll never make it, we made it. So, also want to let you know that there was a good chance we're going to make it to 24. So that's how we're doing. Um, but no, we're doing great. We had a, we had a fun time. Um, it was Southern California. And so we had some plans to do some different things. And one of those things included going to California Adventure on Tuesday. And so we went and it was uh, Heather and I, and we decided to take Em with us because she didn't have any classes that day. So she came with us and um, I'm, I'm not scared of any rides. That's not my thing. Um, but what I do is I have a problem with, with not feeling good sometimes when I ride something. And so the last time I went, I took some medicine, rode on the rides, had a great time. So this time we got there and the first thing they, they decided, hey, let's go on that Tower of Terror. Well, it's, it's Guardians now, Guardians of the Galaxy. So I'm like, I'm not going to do that one. I'm going to start my day like that. And so they, they went on that ride, and I people watched for a while, and they got done, and that was great. And then we went to Cars Land and went on that Cars ride, the racetrack one, and that was great. Everything was good. And, uh, and then we went to the Incredicoaster, and um, that's where things took a turn. Uh, we uh, <laughs> got in line, and, there, and Heather's like, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, I'll be fine. Don't worry. I'm good. I'm good. And so we're in line, and the line was great. Uh, we got through the line, sat down on the Incredicoaster, and immediately it was like, I'm not sure I should be here. And, uh, and you know, it kind of pulls around the corner and stops, and then there's that countdown, five, four, three, two, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, help me. And I'm not swearing. I'm literally praying, like, <laughs> I shouldn't be on here. Within about three seconds of that thing shooting forward, I knew I was in trouble. And so I'm on the ride, and it's going where it's going, and I have my eyes closed. I'm like, oh, God, help me. Please, Jesus, help me. I don't want to throw up right now. So all the way through, I mean, it's doing turns and everything and flips and all the stuff that it does. And I'm like, please, is it over yet? It's got to be over now. And there's more. And it's got to be over now. There's more. And um, we get to the end and I finally get off and I'm like, I'm not good. And um, Heather's like, why did you do that? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm cool. It's all good. Don't worry about it. So, um, so we, we, we walk out and you know the other picture thing? <laughs> so, I, I did not bring it for you today. Um, I know, I, I, okay, in the future, I may show it to you, but it was ridiculous. Like, I'm literally like clinching like I'm in trouble. And uh, I got off the ride though, and I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I was all sweaty because I was so like not doing well, like really sweaty. And um, so we're walking, you know, along the, the Paradise Pier area and there's other rides that are more kid friendly. And I'm like, this is legit, I like this area. And so, for a while, and we walk over to the Toy Story ride and we're in line, and I'm like, I'm cool, it's all good. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I don't feel great. And I'm like, oh, I'm cool, it's all good. Kind of doing that back and forth all the way through. And we're going to get on the ride, and it's a kid's ride. It's like you're shooting things, and you get a score, and you get to the end and go, I beat you because my score's higher. And I'm on the ride, but little do you know, and you probably not noticed this unless you are not feeling amazing like me, it pivots you around this way. And it was like being on the teacups. Like, come on, what are we doing here? <laughs> and I was in trouble. And I was again like, oh, God, please. Now, here's the thing. 
my wife went with M, and so I was sitting by myself. Thankfully, I didn't have like a little kid next to me who would have beat me terribly on that ride. Um, but, but it's jerking you this way and then that way, and I'm trying to distract myself by shooting things with the little, um, and it's kind of working, but I, I, it does it again, does it again. And so you get towards the end of it, and I'm like, okay, God, we're done. Thank you, we're done. And, and then it pivots you around a couple more times just to get back to the place where you get off, and finally the little bar comes up, and I get off the ride, and, dad, and, and M's like, hey, Dad. And I'm like, nope. And so I've little, I'm walking away from her, and she goes, uh, Mom, Dad's not good. I'm walking as fast as I can, and I'm, I want to get to the restroom, but I know I'm not going to make it. Now, when I'm on the ride, I'm literally like, I'm going to be the guy that throws up on the ride, and they have to close it down. Like, that's going to be me, and this is going to suck. So um, I, I, I managed to get off the ride, and I walk up the stairs and out, and, and um, at this point, I know I'm not going to get to the restroom. So I basically try to find a place where there's bushes back towards the middle of nowhere where people aren't, <laughs> and that's where it happened. And so... <laughs> Dude, it was so horrible. It was horrible. And so I, I'm back there, and I'm like, you know, and so uh, I won't make the noises. I'm sorry about that. If you're nauseous right now, I apologize. Forgive me. Um, anyway, uh, but uh, so I, 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 that happens, and um, I, I leave. I walk away, and within, you know, 10 seconds, I see two employees walking over there looking in the bushes like... It's like, oh, no. And, uh, and the rest of my day was ruined. If you ever, I mean, it was like, Heather's like, why did you do that? I go, I thought I would be fine. She's like, why did you think you would be fine? I go, I don't know. Okay. So, um, so again, marriage is great. We're doing well. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can pray. Well, on that note, we're going to be in Hosea. So if you got a Bible, that crazy transition right there. But uh, um, Hosea made me sick to read. I, no, I don't know what the transition is. But um, so, yeah, we had a great time. Anyway, I, I say all that to say the other part. The next day, we went to a museum, and I realized that's more my speed now. Like, what happened to me? Like, I love looking at, you know, some of the Renaissance paintings or Impressionism. I'm like, I totally dig this. And I'm like, you know what? I would take this over Disneyland, which is horrible. So there I am, and, and that's my life now. Um, so... Uh, Hosea is where we're at, and I thought Evan did a great job last week. I know I wasn't here, uh, but uh, Evan did a great job. I love how he teaches, which, by the way, if you don't listen to the podcast we put out every week, Aaron and Evan, and we have guests sometimes come in and, and do some stuff, but they do such a great job teaching through um, that I encourage you to you can go on the app or you can go on our website and find it um, and listen to Let's Read the Bible podcast. They just break down the scriptures every week, and I love how they do it. But Evan did a great job last week of, of taking you through um, the picture of Hosea, and, and just as a reminder, a little bit of a recap as we opened a couple of weeks back on Hosea, it's a prophetic book in the Old Testament, and uh, part of it is, is, and for me it pains me because it's a picture that, that God's trying to get a message across to the nation of Israel that wanted to be like all the other nations. And finally, over and over, God had tried to say, I care, come back to me, hey, don't invite other gods, and they do all this stuff they shouldn't do, and God finally says, Hosea, as a picture of my love for Israel, I want you to marry a prostitute, because Israel has prostituted themselves. And it's really a heartbreaking prophetic book to read. But the first three chapters are that portion of the story. And then you get to a bunch of different prophecies that Hosea has that God gives him this message to, to share. And they're basically along those same lines. Like, I care about you. And yet here's what you do. I care. And so what I love is that on one hand, there's this sense of I'm, I'm stepping back, the Lord says, and, and I'm not going to be your covering. And even at the point where it's like saying, I don't, I don't, I don't love you like that. But Evan did a really great job of talking about how um, Jesus is the perfect Hosea. 
And again, I know that's a leap, like, well, what does that mean exactly? But the idea that Hosea came to redeem his wife, Gomer, who was a prostitute, is a picture of um, God's love for Israel. But in the new covenant for you and I in scripture, we understand that Jesus is the perfect Hosea. And so it's this idea that, that you know, God cares about us so much that, that Christ goes to the cross to pay the price to redeem you and to redeem me. And it's really this beautiful picture of how this works. And so what I want to do is I'm going to look at the very last chapter of Hosea here in, uh, in, in uh, chapter 14. And you, you can follow along, but I'm going to read the chapter. We're going to pray and then we'll walk through the text. It starts with this. Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us, verse 3. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to uh, what our own hands have made. For in you the fatherless find compassion. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. Uh, he will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell in his shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will... Um, they will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the re rebellious stumble in them. Father, today I want to pray, and I, I know always, but, but my prayer is, God, that your spirit would work in our hearts to understand why this chapter is an extension of your hope. That on one hand, the picture of Hosea and Gomer is, 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 is a judgment and is meant to be the broken heart of our Heavenly Father towards the covenant that was carried with Israel. But, but today, it's, it's a picture of your love for us. And yet we find ourselves, even as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, wanting other things that you don't want. Desiring things in our hearts that, that you don't desire for us, God. And, and my prayer, even as we walk through this, is not only that it gives us a window of your hope, but it compels us, draws us into a lifestyle style of repentance, a lifestyle of wanting and, 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 and being passionate more about the desires you have than those things that try to pull us away from your plan. Help us to bear the fruit you want, God, with the right motive, Father, and God, that it will be a message to a world that needs it. In Jesus' name, amen. So this last chapter, like I said, a bunch of Isaiah 4 through 13 are different prophecies about what will happen and what God is saying to the nation of Israel. And the last chapter, once again, though, is an extension of God's hope. And it starts out in, in verse 1. It says, return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. And, and you could say that back in Hosea's day about the nation of Israel. But, but fast forward to today, and it's still true today. God would say to you and I, return to the Lord your God. Sin is your downfall. That's the universal condition. Paul would say it this way in Romans chapter 3 and repeat it throughout the letters he would write to the churches. Sin is an issue for everybody. Sin is a universal problem for everyone. Paul says it in Romans 3, 4, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so when, when Hosea 
is reminded by God Israel is cared for and the passion for God is that they would return to the Lord their God. It's the same call to you and it's the same call to me. Return to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. And here's what you and I need to know, and you probably already know this. Sin wasn't something we repented of one time and we were good from then on. That for many of us that have been in Christ for any length of time, the, the idea of a prayer of repentance is an ongoing lifestyle of checking what goes on in our hearts and our lives and realizing in an ongoing way, we need to repent of those ways that we've missed the mark at random moments or in random days. So for you and I, as we look at our lives, it's easy to realize, and I would be convinced of this, there is not one of us in the room that hasn't sinned probably in the last 24 hours. Now, it may not be the egregious, crazy thing that you did last night that you don't want anybody to know about, but there are things that you and I do with the wrong motive, you and, you and things that you and I do that can be passive aggressive or that our attitude is in the wrong spot. Even as Jesus says, you know, they, they say you shouldn't commit adultery, but if you lusted or, you know, you, you shouldn't, you know, uh, kill anyone, but if you have hatred in your heart, these different ideas of it goes deeper than not just the activity, but what's going on inwardly that ought to challenge you. So the very first verse ought to bring conviction really to all of us that God says, return to God, sin is an issue. And that's an issue for all of us. If you prayed that prayer at some point, which by the way, I love how a couple of uh, Sundays ago, we had over 30 people give their lives to faith in Christ. I love that. I think it's amazing. But it wasn't just that we prayed the prayer one time and said, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of all of my sin. That's the beginning of the journey, but it's the awareness on that journey of, wow, man, I missed the mark the other day and, and the work of God or missed the mark this morning and, and the work of God is compelling me towards repentance because that's what his grace does. Is anybody with me in understanding that? So verse one, return Israel to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Verse two, take words with you and return to the Lord. And then Hosea gives us an example of what that can look like. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Invite, as we say it in the new covenant, invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Invite Jesus to cleanse you from your sin. It's, it's as simple as what Hosea says right here. Forgive our sins, receive us graciously. Then he says that we may offer the fruit of our lips. We turn from our sin by inviting God's grace to cover us. And then in verse three, it says, Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made for in you the fatherless find compassion. Now, what's going on in Hosea, Evan talked about this, I talked about this, is the nation of Israel, not only did they want to be like other nations, and so they would prostitute themselves to other gods, they also relied on other nations to defend them when they were in trouble. And God said, I want you to rely on me. I want you to draw near to me. I want to be the apple of your eye. Don't lean on your own strength and don't lean on the nations around you. And yet that's what they were doing over and over and over. Again, how do you translate that into today? Well, it's pretty simple for you and I. How many of us lean on our own plans? How many of us lean into our own ways? How many of us lean into what we want or, or we, we in, in, in times of trouble, lean into you know, f finding advice from other people before we've even prayed? 
finding a solution by, by going online and reading about something before we've even sought God about how we're feeling. It's not that we shouldn't maybe at times go online and find some help or find a friend we can rely on and talk to. God gives us the gift of people in our lives, but God would say first, come to me, draw near to me, find in me the hope and peace and strength you need because in me is, is where your source is supposed to be. I wasn't supposed to rhyme, but you're welcome. <laughs> so in, in, in verse three, it's this idea that we're done with the old pattern of relying on human devices. And then, then he goes on, and I love this to say this, and I want, I'm going to point something out here. I will heal their waywardness and love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. The progression here is as people walk out that surrender, instead of not living under God's covering, remember we talked about the names of the children born to Hosea and Gomer and the idea that you are not loved anymore, I'm not your covering anymore. And what God is saying is, as you walk out that surrender, I desperately want to be your covering, but you've got to let me do that. And so at the point that we, we invite God back in to let him do that, according to Hosea, it, it's this idea that we can live under God's blessing. And I want you to notice what he says. I will heal their, their waywardness, love them freely, for my anger has turned away from them. Now, verse 5, I will be like the dew to Israel. Okay, imagery, picture all this. He will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. And so when you look at what's going on here, like I said, it's this idea of living under God's blessing. And when we live camped out there, God says, I will make you fruitful. It should echo the words of Jesus, as I mentioned before in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me and you will bear much fruit. So there's this picture over and over of you and I living in surrender, being blessed by God and in being blessed, we end up being fruitful. He, he says in this text, your roots will grow deep. Your branches will branch out and provide shade. In other words, peace and a covering of hope for those around you. Talks about the, the, the joy of being wine, a, a flavor that's to be, in, in this context, enjoyed. It results in fruitfulness. Goes on and talks about the, the, the blossoms, the, the scent of the fragrance of the cedar of Lebanon. The fruit of the olive tree. What is this about? Yes, it's about realizing that God wants you and I to be fruitful. God wants you and I to, to experience that blessing of, of the growth we walk in as maturity happens in our lives. In brief, in light of God's love, you and I respond with surrender. And what happens is this. We become a reflection of Hosea. So in the story, we go from being Gomer to becoming Hosea, what do I mean by that? What I mean is, okay, Gomer is the prostitute and, and, and away from, from the work and will of God and, and Hosea loves Gomer enough that, that the idea is Gomer, uh, Hosea wants Gomer to return and in the returning, the idea is that now we become Hosea. Now, what does that mean? Let, let me put it this way. When, um, when Paul writes this idea of transformation, 
One of the pictures he writes about is in Romans, and, and he writes this letter to the church at Rome, and in chapter one, he always opens with, you know, Paul an apostle, and I thank God for you, and, and he talks about how people are turning away from God's design, and their hearts are becoming hard. And then in chapter two, he says, I'm warning you, though, that what's happening is you're judging them, but you're doing the same things, and it's not causing light to shine at all. He says, what you've got to do is you've got to walk out your faith, and then he says, like Abraham did. But the reason I bring it up is because in Romans chapter 2, here's what he talks about. He says, in the Old Covenant, circumcision was an outward understanding of transformation. But what I want is circumcision of the heart, an inward transformation. And he talks about the cutting away of the sin in your life. The cutting away of those things that are holding you back from God's design for your life. And so I, I say it because I love how Paul says what it becomes is a transformation or a change within our hearts. It's not just outward transformation. When I gave my life to faith in Christ 30 years ago, one of the things I did in 1992 was I got rid of all of my cassette tapes that weren't Christian tapes, which was all of them. And, and, and you can laugh, but there was the Easy e and the Two Live Crew and the Doctors, right, all this stuff that I had. I got rid of all of it, and I went to the Bible bookstore. And at the Bible bookstore, they had a section of music where it specifically said, if you like Dr. Dre, you'll love J.C. Crew. And I'm like, sweet, I'll buy J.C. Crew. So I bought a cassette tape called J.C. Crew, and I put it in, I played it, I was like, this is nothing like Dr. Dre. <laughs> and some of you got duped by the same thing. It's like, what is going on here? Anyways, the other thing I did is I was walking around the Bible bookstore as a brand new Christian was notice they had a place where you could buy shirts, clothing, apparel. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I walked around there, and, and I, I loved volleyball when I was younger, and I played volleyball a bunch. And so um, there was an area where they had apparel, and there was a shirt that had a volleyball net on it and a volleyball. And most of us, if you've played the sport at all, understand um, bump, set, spike, right? But there was a Christian version that I didn't know because I was new, and it was pass, set, crush, okay? Again, super cheesy. Bear with me here. But, but it, said, it said, pass, set, crush in big words, but it said, pass the test, set the standard, crush the devil. And I'm like, I got to have that shirt, right? So <laughs> 1992, idiot kid going, hey, here we go. Here's the thing, though. I can buy all the tapes. I can put all the Christian bumper stickers on. I can wear the gear, but am I changed on the inside? Because everything on the outside can live. I can get up here today and go, man, I got the I Heart shirt on because we love our community, and I can live like hell on the inside. Let's be honest. Some of you are offended that I said that, but here's the deal. Too many times we play the game of as long as I look good, as long as people think things are good. But what's going on on the inside? I can get up here and share all day long and walk away and I can go get drunk and I can cheat on my wife and I can get up and still smile about it and hide it if I'm really good at it, but I know things aren't as they're supposed to be. See, for you and I, Paul says, are you being transformed from the inside out or is it just an outward show? Because the church at Rome was literally saying, if I sin and I repent, that shows God's grace isn't sin great. And I explained this not too long ago. But Paul says that is an indictment on God's grace. That's misunderstanding why grace is extended to you. Grace isn't extended to you so that you can go out and sin more. Grace is extended to you so you can stop sinning. So you have the power to walk away from sin. That's where Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And I said a couple of weeks ago, you and I have got to learn to live empowered by the Holy Spirit because that's how we overcome the patterns of this world. That's how we overcome the things the enemy wants to do in our lives. So when Paul says, 
circumcision of the heart. It's literally the cutting away of sinful patterns on the inside. And what happens is that changes what goes on on the outside. So when we talk about, and Hosea says, hey, you walk in surrender and and you repent of your, your sins, then you'll bear fruit. But here's the deal. Fruit isn't just for fruit. Fruit isn't just that, hey, I really enjoy this. Wow, I've been forgiven. Wow, I have such a joy. That feels good. The idea of fruit is this. The purpose of fruit is to be a witness. Do you know that? The other way to put it, or another way to say it is, we're blessed to be a blessing. So when I talk about this whole conversation, it's this idea of inward transformation that ends up seen on the outside. I fully believe that when the heart is transformed by the Spirit of God, all bets are off. And you go, well, what do you mean by that? What I mean is this, when you and I experience a transformation of the heart, all bets are off and we become more humble than we used to be. That this world doesn't revolve around us. It's not all about us. There's a bigger picture. And when we surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we become humble. James says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You want to walk in victory from sin, empower yourself with the Holy Spirit, which will produce a humility in you. What else? We become thirsty for righteous living. Integrity matters. Like I said, I don't get up here and share what I share and then go live however I want to live aside from this place. This isn't a show that anybody's putting on. I've said before, I want to be an actor. I want to go down to L.A. and audition and do all this stuff. And that was my goal. Why do I even say that? Because for me, I wanted to entertain people. But, but to be in a place like this, people go, well, boy, by being a pastor, don't you get to you know, entertain people every week? I don't do this for entertainment. I do this because at the core of my call, while I used to want people to be entertained to forget the cares of this world and watch a sitcom or a movie, My passion, honestly, is that you get so connected to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life that you're transformed forever, not just during a movie. And so when we talk about you and I experiencing the transformation of the heart and bearing fruit, it's not just to bask in and enjoy. It's that our fruit impacts other people. It's that we become passionate about righteous living because when you and I choose to set aside those things that hold us back from Christ, then the light shines all the more through our lives. We're not hindered by sin, as the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 would say. We throw off everything of sin and the things that set us back, and we run forward. We're passionate about righteous living. Once the heart is changed, all bets are off in the sense that you and I become the most gracious and forgiving people ever. And when I say that, some of you go, yeah, except with that person. Yeah, that grudge. Yeah, I wrote them off. Are you the most gracious? Are you the most forgiving? My daughter this summer was reading a book called Unoffendable. And I thought, man, I love that title. Because I'm not there yet, but God, would you help me become unoffendable? What does it look like in our lives? that we don't take up offense, that we extend grace. Why? Because Jesus extends grace to us. 
We, we've said many, we don't deserve forgiveness. We didn't earn our place in, in standing with God. Christ did that for us. Are you the most gracious person in your neighborhood? Are you the most forgiving person at work? Are you the most humble individual in your family? Are you challenged to become unoffendable? Because when you look at the life of Christ, how did he live? He's on the cross dying. And do you know that every time he spoke seven times from the cross, every time that he spoke words out that were written down, he literally had to pull himself up because down like this would be suffocation. That was why when a criminal on the, was crucified on the cross, they would eventually break their legs because they could no longer push themselves up to breathe and they would suffocate to death. So every time Jesus spoke seven times on the cross, it was excruciating and brutal. And yet what was one of the things that Jesus said? Father, forgive them. Smite them. Take them out. Remove me off this cross. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Who is he talking about? The soldiers? The other two that were criminals on either side of him? The religious leaders that helped get him there? Judas? Who is he talking about? Yes, 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 and yes. If Jesus can do that, what he's challenging you and I towards is being able to do that too. I admit in my own life, it's hard to forgive. And there are moments where in my stubbornness, I don't want to forgive. Yeah, but they haven't even asked. They haven't even come to me. Maybe you need to take the first step because they feel like you feel. I get stubbornness. I don't stand up here perfect. But do you strive to be the most forgiving, the most gracious, the most unoffendable? I strive to towards it. I'm not there. But I don't want to settle where I'm at because God's not done with me yet. And because I believe in grace, that light can shine even brighter into the lives of other people. Wow, look at that grace. Wow, look at that relationship that on one hand, in, in all human terms, should have been severed. And they continue to extend the grace of God. What does that look like in your context? When there's a change of heart, all bets are off. I know I keep saying that, but I want to get in your heart. All bets are off and we become passionate about generosity. I, I, I don't want to, I feel bad because as the pastor, I'm bragging on us, which feels like I'm bragging on me. But can I be honest with you? I, I wore this today because it was clean in my closet. I'm like, I'm going to wear that. But, but honestly, when I think about what this represents, 
individuals that would carve out time from your schedules, your agendas, your stuff, and serve and, and do projects that make you sweat and make you tired and get you all dirty throughout the day and you got to shower and scrub paint off your arms six weeks ago during the summer all over our county. Why? How do I be generous with the grace and love, time, reason what God's given me? How do I walk out that generosity? It's, it's why a couple, a week and a half ago, back to school bash. How many of you helped with that? Thank you. To give out almost 800 backpacks full of supplies and lunch boxes and snack bags and do some, some raffle giveaways. If you were here, you saw the line. The entrance of the kids' wing was over there and people lined up to come and get these things for their kids for school, for the beginning of the school year. And the line went around the entire kids' wing building all the way over here from the wing we sheared off. I'll talk about that in a minute. You're like, oh, there used to be a wing there? Um, anyway, um, it went all the way over here around the building and out to the front over here on Grove. That was the line. And the reason was because we provided an environment for people to be loved well. And there was all kinds of booths set up with all kinds of partnerships in our community. It wasn't just us. I thought Teresa and Adrian and Brittany and Caitlin, the whole team did such a great job putting it together to express God's grace to our community. Why in our Champions Club? It's a special needs class, kids that have some special needs, sensory challenges. We have an environment for them. Why they would put on a party for them last week. I was gone, I didn't even know about it. I just saw some random post. I'm like, we did what? That's so rad. I love it. Why? Because for me, I think of, it, it's, it's a heavy burden for parents where kids with special needs require a lot. And what we wanted to do was provide an environment where they could go out on a date night and do whatever they want to do without free charge. Just to take care and, and, and help those kids feel cared for. To me, that's huge. I didn't even know we were doing it. And I see this text, I'm like, we did what? How do we be gracious? How do we walk out generosity? What does it look like to be humble? How do we put others first? Talking about generosity, I am just gonna say it. But why we, we talk about it, it takes all of us for we to win. And I wanna challenge you to consider even financial generosity because that's how we do these things. That's how we submitted paperwork to the city this last week to expand our facility, to make room for people to join the movement. It's why there's a wing missing because coming up this next year, we're gonna begin building a new auditorium that has more space to it. We wanna make room for people to, to, to join and be part of this movement together. But once again, it's gonna take all of us going, what does it look like to walk out generosity? All of us, not you, all of us. What does it look like to be generous? What does it look like to put others first? As I wrap this up, Paul says, talking about setting aside sin and bearing fruit, Paul says this in Philippians 2.15, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Peter said it this way in second, sorry, 1 Peter 2, uh, verse 11 and 12. I'm gonna fast forward a little bit here. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your souls. Live such good lives among the gomers. We used to be. Live such good lives among those outside of Christ that they see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Peter says it. Paul says it. The writer of Hebrews, over and over as you read these letters in the New Testament, 
what they're saying is, go out and shine that light and make a difference. What, what Hosea is saying that God is reminding Israel is, I want you to bear fruit. Because what I'm trying to show you over and over is, this isn't a club where we circle the wagons. This is a group of people that love so well. The people go, what is it about you? How do you live that way? How do you pull that off? What does it look like for you to be humble, for you to be gracious, for you to be forgiving, for you to be unoffendable, for you to be generous, for you to put others first? Because there is a world that needs the message of the gospel of Christ. And when you bear fruit, it's not for you to sit back and enjoy. It's for you to share with others that they can enjoy peace. They can enjoy hope. They can enjoy life. They can enjoy forgiveness. They can enjoy something that Christ has done for them that we're called to bring to them. Are you with me today? Father, today I pray you would help us understand that the reason that Hosea extends at the last chapter a word of hope is because this is how wise people walk. That's what the last verse of the entire book says. If you're wise, you get it. It's not about hoarding. It's not making it about you and I in a club. It's about us loving a world that needs Christ, bearing fruit that we realize we're blessed in order to be a blessing to others that they can enjoy the same thing. They can go from being Gomers to becoming Hosea's, a reflection of God's love in Christ to people. For Hosea, it was Israel. For us, it's our own families. For us, it's the people we live around. For us, it's the world that doesn't know Christ yet. And I pray it would matter so much to us that we're not just here to indulge ourselves in our blessings, but to walk out blessing. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.